everybody. Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I'm Michelle Hootink, your host, and of course, my co-host, Christian Conway. I'm glad to be back. Yes, so now it's our turn. We've had all our Galaxy counterparts (laughs) go (laughs) off and have their therapy sessions, and now it's our turn. Yeah, I mean, I I apologize for for kind of taking a a minor leave of absence. Uh, I, I experienced a lot of, I guess, turmoil uh and upheaval in my personal life that kind of took me out of out of the zone for a bit but i am back and ready to go complain about the galaxy i know right as we once did (laughs) like we're not in turmoil in the state of the world as it is um so yeah you're you're not alone christian so thanks for for being here and uh yeah so here we go so the mls is back tournament really has surprised everybody um but unfortunately, if you've been a Galaxy fan and you've been following this team, you know that we were only going to play these three games. I was optimistic and hoping that we were going to play more and get out of there. Uh, but, you know, honestly, the Galaxy beat themselves. They were their own worst enemy, I feel. It was, it, it was interesting watching those three games because there was a certain level of the mentality wasn't there like and 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 I kind of theorized that there were some teams that came into this tournament with no intention like every team on paper said they were there to win it but I think there were some teams that were there to maybe tool some stuff around and figure out tactically what to do and figure out you know some stuff that maybe were questions in the preseason and kind of looked at this tournament and said you know maybe we're not going to win it but I think the Galaxy went in with full confidence that they were one of the better teams in this tournament and it, mentally, I think that was the biggest thing for me over the three games was just mentally they looked lost. And it wasn't just, you know, as Lack of, long, of creativity. Well, as of, as of long opined about the U.S. men's national team with under Bearhalter, which is that tactically they don't know, they don't look like they know what they're doing. It wasn't just that. It was just like, it, it looked like they just weren't inspired to just try anything. And it was like, it, it mm. was, and I, again, I mean, Yes, they're in a tough group. Yes, they play, you know, Portland, you know, MLS Cup finalists two years ago, a very good team. They play LAFC, who's arguably probably one of the best teams in MLS right now. And they play a Houston team that's under Tab Ramos, who is, that's a tricky ask. It's a tough group. I think we can both agree. But Mm -hmm. you, I mean, losing 6-2 to your biggest rival is, and not looking like you wanted to lift a finger to change anything. That was the biggest thing for me. Just, I, I felt so disheartened because, it was a galaxy team that just didn't look like they cared. And I, and I hate to insinuate that I understand these are professional players, you know, they do care, but it, it certainly didn't look like it. Right. But when things aren't working, I just want, I want the coach, I want the players to take responsibility. And that's just what we haven't seen. And this is, this is a pattern that this club in the last, few years and especially I'm going to say under Escaloto that they have not had anybody taking responsibility and you know without Zlatan now who's the one that's that's calling the shots okay um, you know you give the armband to Sasha Kleshton or you give the captain's band to Chicharito but I don't I don't see that same level of direction and yeah okay Zlatan was hard on everybody and and everything but but that's the other thing is that the LA Galaxy have this bar. They have the reputation. Honestly, we're chasing our own history at this point. Yeah, 
And I think also, I mean, I, I think this even begins this 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 lack of accountability begins even before Shiloto takes the job. I think, you know, if you look at the the current and awful years, you look at you know the current and awful year two thousand seventeen. Mm. I mean, I think that should have been. And they actually fired him. <laughs> yeah, well, he had to go. But I think that should have been a wake up call to the ownership and to everyone involved with the team that, look, you know, the, we're we're not this infallible beast that will always be top of MLS. That we are equal with every club in terms of that we are we are fallible and you know i i'm shocked that a lot of people kept their jobs after 2017 but you know mm. it, it does seem like there is now an accountability not i think there's a level of lack of accountability even above the 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 head coach and technical director that i think needs to be looked at and 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 the problem is that you know we're, we're i think the galaxy have gotten complacent i think that's the problem is that it's very easy to shine the trophies and keep looking at them every year and feel satiated knowing that you are MLS's most storied club, but it has to, there has to be people in positions of power, especially at the present level and at the ownership level that say, okay, just being the best isn't good enough. And I think the problem is that we have people in those roles that are satiated right now with being the best. And I think it's going to take, you know, either a Seattle or a DC United or, or some other team to really, start pressuring the galaxy in terms of like five MLS cups or, or, you know, maybe another team wins the champions league before the galaxy really start to, I guess, get serious about things again. It, it does feel like this, this front office is not seriously invested in the success of the LA galaxy. I do wonder what it is going to take because when, again, you're hearing Shalotto say, Oh, we're, we played good. Like, that was good. And it's like, as a Galaxy fan, you're totally embarrassed. You're embarrassed watching your coach on the sideline, rubbing his face, looking completely just as lost as, as the players. You you see, how many crosses were they were they getting per match? I, I, like, think I, had, I think I had a counter on my phone and it broke. I mean, it was just, the, the problem is that, it, <laughs> you know, you watch the, I believe it was on Netflix, but the documentary with, with Shalotto at Boca Juniors and you watch it and it's, he's this passionate, fiery, competitive man that is, you know, basically telling players to, to leave training if they're not taking it seriously enough. And, and you watch his Boca teams and they played with such verve and flair. And I understand that. I think you can make the argument that he had more talent at Boca than he has here at the galaxy. But then you watch Shiloto on the galaxy sideline and he just looks like this dejected lost man that, that has really like, no fire in him anymore and you just wonder what what's going on that we do not see that that has led to this point and we can't say that this isn't his team anymore and that's what was so aggravating was that these are his guys this was the team that him and uh Dennis Ciclose put together and you know the only person on the roster that really is worth his salt was Christian Pavone and then you know while Gave him, gave well, uh, Chicharito his first goal, but <laughs> I, I'd also say that I'd say the best player in a Galaxy jersey this tournament was was Cameron Dunbar, and yeah, and I then mean, he, he was, was benched. Yeah, exactly. He never he doesn't see the field after a fantastic performance. I mean, what kind of message does that send to a seventeen year old kid that in his first professional debut was probably the best player on the field against Portland, and you reward him by not letting him see the field for the next two games, especially in a game, you know, in a I understand protecting a seventeen year old kid in a major rivalry game. I get the fact that you know even if it's in Orlando, even if it's, you know, not without crowds, but it's still the LAFC LA Galaxy game is, is that's one that every player circles in their calendar, right? So I understand protecting a 17-year-old kid who's you know, just beginning his professional career 
preventing him from maybe losing confidence in such a critical game. I get that. But, I mean, you're telling me that he couldn't help us against Houston? Like, his his abilities wouldn't have helped us against that Houston Actually team? Actually like, pull a win in that one, you know? Because, yeah. because that Portland game, and I'm just backtracking now, but, like, that Portland match, okay, the Galaxy were playing up a man. And then, statistically, and I think I screenshot this and sent it to you, like, statistically, with the number of shots and, you know, uh, calls and and things like that, the statistics said that the Galaxy and Portland were pretty even. And the score almost would have reflected that if Chicharito hadn't missed that penalty. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, you watch that game and, you know, you just feel like the Galaxy just weren't, the Galaxy were a step behind in that game. The first, the first half, they played well. Yeah, and then it, 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 it just looked like the Galaxy were kind of a step behind all tournament, and it, and, mm-hmm. and no other game really showed that more than the LAFC game, and, it, and it's one of those things where, you know, it's a question of mentality in the organization. I mean, you know, and I don't know if the Galaxy organization is mentally in the right place right now, and it's going to take a cultural reset, I think, in order to get mm-hmm. back to it. And, and, and I think the Galaxy need to have, I mean, obviously as a Galaxy fan, you don't want to see it, but it almost it almost feels like the Galaxy need to have about three or four years where it's just really crushing losses in order for them to kind of wake up and realize what's going on here. I mean, this tournament, okay, that's the other thing. So this tournament, a lot of people would say, well, let's take it with a grain of salt. We didn't really have a season. Um, Before this, we played two matches. Like, you can't really say that this is a good reflection. Everybody's, you know, still trying to get fit and everything. But I'm done with all the excuses. And I'm going as far as saying, Esqueloto's got to go. Because I wasn't going to say that based on this tournament. But when you look at Atlanta United, they've only been, this is what, their third season? And they fired their coach because they're like, this is not who we are. This is not this is not what we stand for. And, and the Galaxy have way more of a reputation and silverware to, to keep polished that you swear that, that we're going to hold on to something that clearly isn't working. And sure, Escaloto's not the only one that needs to go, right? I mean, if we're if we're doing this, then everybody's like, well, they've been saying Klein out, and it's I, I, it's just that this that, that he said that that we actually played well. That when you know he just doesn't look. You can't sit on the sidelines like that and and be like putting that energy onto the the players i mean sure the players have to be held responsible because they look like you said they didn't have the winning mentality they didn't have the fighting spirit they um they lacked creativity sure like they're lost on the ball but at the end of the day i feel like that's that's the coach i i think i i agree with you that i I think the the problem is not necessarily just shaloto and his tactics Mm -hmm. i think i think I think the biggest kind of architect of all this is Chris Klein and, and his complacency in allowing, you know, this, this organization to kind of come to this point. Um, in terms of the firing Shaloto thing, I think, you know, whether you like him or not, he's got at least two years of immunity considering he won a playoff game last year. That's usually good enough for MLS coaches to have at least two years of immunity. Um, and, and also this is, this is a weird kind of season, I will fully admit, and it's, we're in a weird place. Right. 
I, I think the Atlanta United comparison with Frank DeBoer getting fired is a little bit of a, it, it, it's not the same thing. Um, from what I understand, Frank DeBoer had lost the locker room in, in Atlanta in a pretty significant way. Um, and the reports that I get out of the Galaxy locker room are not necessarily that Shaloto has lost the locker room. Um, but, you know, I just, you know, I, I only think the way things change is if, if Chris Klein is removed from his position and, and AEG reinvests its energy in managing the Galaxy as MLS's premier organization. And I, it, we might even be starting to breach the conversation that maybe we need new ownership. Like, and that does seem like a very extreme kind of place to go, but I mean, well, if honestly, if that's the case, though, I feel like we're 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 even further like now. We're even getting further away from from being a winning team again. Yeah, you know? it it does feel like there needs to be a massive change in the Galaxy organization in a way that's foundational and just, and yes. like that that changes everything in terms of the context of how we talk about the Galaxy. But I. I don't think that's going to come this year. I think everyone's very cautious, um, understandably so. And 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 I I I'd say that you know not with any kind of you know regret or or, or anger. I, just, I I get we're at a different place in the world, but you know I think sure. there has to be deep foundational change in the LA Galaxy at this point. I think everyone who's who's looking at it right now has to has to agree with that. Right, but for me, it's like what's doable right now. Who who can we get rid of? Honestly, I understand what you're saying about, you know, Escaloto won a, a playoff game. Sure. But losing 6-2 to LAFC is unacceptable. I don't even know what that Houston game was. Um, that was just the Galaxy taking taking them down with them. <laughs> losing losing the way that they did to LAFC, as far as I'm concerned, should be an immediately fireable offense. Yes, uh, agreed. And, and I... and. You know, I appreciate Shiloto wants to stick it out. I understand that he wants to keep, you know, he believes in this project and and that's all well and good. But, you know, if, if he lost to, if Boca lost to River under his tenure 6-2, he would have been fired the next day. Yeah. And that's the problem is that there's no, like, that should be unforgivable. And well, it, it, we've swept it under the rug like it's it's nothing else. And I remember, you know, I was talking, I was talking to friends on the day of that game where I was like, it just feels like a. Like because of the tournament, because of the context in which this tournament is being held, it feels like a Wednesday night game against Cincinnati. But still, it's it's LAFC. Like I mean, this, it, well, then, but then look at Cincinnati. I know I know where you're going with that reference. But then look at Cincinnati. Look at how they were playing. Well, I, I mean, they were actually but, advancing. But but is Cincinnati not what the Galaxy kind of need right now? Which is that Cincinnati looked at what happened and looked at that first season and said, this is untenable. We need a complete and total organizational shift. And they completely changed it. Now there was a lot happened in that time that really were odd, I will say, but you know, they completely changed the context of the organization. And I mean, the Cincinnati team we see right now is completely different than the Cincinnati team that we remember, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Escaloto's done for me because he had his chance. He got his players. Um, and now if we're looking even further back, Boca Juniors seem like they were more than happy to get him off their hands. Well, so we also, I mean, we also have to talk about this galaxy team in the context of not having Jonathan Dos Santos for the tournament, which I think was, a, was a very large loss. Um, Absolutely. But again, it, it's this thing that I, I kept saying last year, which is that we can't, be so reliant on one player that when he's out, everything falls apart. Like, yes, this, this and can't be the case. 
That's actually what is going on with the Galaxy right now. It's individual players. They are not a team. Everybody yeah. has individual characteristics. It's like watching Esqueloto trying to play chess with Chinese checkers. I really don't know what... You know, every player has their own individual characteristics. And I appreciate, you know, Christian Pavon trying to slide in any way he could. But even he looked like he, he missed the mark. Um, he would have missed that penalty if, uh, was it the goalkeeper that, that stepped out of line for yeah. uh, LAFC? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it felt a little bit Ibrahimovic like last season where everything was routed through Pavon and you just, it was kind of like, well, hope Pavon, Pavon does something crazy again and it'll work, I guess, you know? Right, right. Like... But he's right. But he's not, he's not, nobody's Ibrahimovic. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. You're asking a guy that, and you know, Pavon's a great player, but he's, he's not, you know, at the level of Ibrahimovic, and that's no shade to Pavon. I mean, Ibrahimovic no, is one of, of course. one of three players that has scored 500 goals for club and country. Like, that's a very rarefied company to be in. Um, but again, it, it just felt like the Galaxy were built around individual talent. And 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 I think a lot of people who, who rush to the defense of this current Galaxy system will say, well, you know, the Galaxy were built around David Beckham's talent, or they were built around an anonymous uh, yes. talent. But if you remember watching those teams, yeah. if you remember watching those teams, they were a lot more cohesive than just get the ball to to Beckham or Donovan and hope something good happens. There was definitely a sense of cohesion behind them that doesn't exist right now on this Galaxy team. However, you would say that even that 2014 Cup, that it was the big stars, and it, and that's the Galaxy, I know, but it's the big stars that mask the the issues that but, we've had since 2015 till now. But also, I mean, if you think about it, you know, that Galaxy team in 2014 has Juninho, you know, it has Marcelo Sarvas, it has Omar Gonzalez, it has yeah. Todd, you know, it has, you know, Robbie Rogers, who was, who was fantastic in that final. Like, yeah. I mean, they, they had other parts. I mean, if you, you look at this Galaxy team and you point to, I, I can't Not think. Of, back. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, like, there's maybe four players that I'd start on a starting 11 in, in MLS right now in, in this Galaxy roster. And I, and I know the Galaxy came into this tournament a little bit bereft of talent, but still, I mean, We've been told consistently that we have one of the best academies in MLS. We've been told consistently that, you know, the Galaxy are interested in stockpiling talent. And this was an opportunity to show that. And they didn't, you know. And, yeah. it, and this was this was a failure. Uh, it, and, it, and it should be, you know, laid bare organizationally just the failure that this was. Yeah, this is a case where we're just seeing the potential in everybody at. You know, and I understand we have to have roster rotation. And I mean, we we on Galaxy Twitter were always joking about Zubac being there, but but then to see it live, and then he doesn't get to that ball on that run against Houston, like that last that last passage of play against Houston, it, it, it's just I mean, is that not the Galaxy summed up in one passage of play, right? Just mm. uninvested, uninterested, disjointed. Can't get there. No one knows what to do. No one understands. No, no communication. No yeah, lack of creativity. I mean, it, it just, it was, I mean, absolutely. I, I remember watching that and just, it, it, and I, I, I couldn't be angry because I understood that, like, this is where we are now. And yeah, uh, that's yeah. that. Yeah. The, you know, this team, like I said, you've been following this. And if anybody's been listening to us, um, we we definitely, I think, have been hitting the mark on where Galaxy, you know, what the condition is. 
and where they've been lacking in, in winning attributes. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know if necessarily it's a tactical issue here. I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, a player personnel issue here. I just think we currently have a bunch of people in the front office that have have not fostered a club community that allows the galaxy to succeed at the highest level. I think this is a this is a bigger we're, we're talking about a problem that is so much larger than just firing a head coach. We're talking about mm-hmm. systemic rot that has occurred in the organization to the point where it feels like no matter what no matter who you put in certain positions the rot is still there. And until this organization takes a very aggressive stance towards removing that rot from its, its core, we're going to have things like the, the, the 2018, 2019 seasons are going to be repeated where it's like, we barely make the playoffs, which was unacceptable. Yeah. But that was with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So we're yeah. going to have an even worse situation. I mean, like imagine going back and telling galaxy fans in 2011. And, and I will fully admit, I think we as galaxy fans definitely um, demand more out of our club than any other club in MLS. I think there's well, no absolutely, about that. but but that's what's so funny to me is that the fans are demanding quality that the front office should be. Yeah, exactly. It, it, we we should not be the like we should not be the ones on the outside looking in who can clearly see what's going on. We should not be the ones who are, have to be this vocal about this in order for things to change. Like the people well, on the inside have to are. be aware of it. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but that's the other thing. Like, they are aware of it, but I don't know what's with the gaslighting. What's with the... Are they in denial? Like, why Why isn't there any accountability? Again, this is... How long are they going to sit on their laurels this is, for? This is, this is where I go when I say maybe we need an ownership change. is because I think ownership has kind of stopped caring. I mean, it, it, it was great. You know, they, they've gotten their glory, and, and that's that. And maybe... Maybe we do need ownership change. Maybe we, you know, I, I definitely think Chris Klein has to go. I think there's no question about that. I think there's multiple executives in MLS that would be much better suited to this position. I, you know, the, the first person that comes to mind that you, he's well seated in Columbus was Tim, Tim Bezbachenko, who took Toronto from being the laughing stock of the league to being one of its its perennial title contenders. Like there are organizations that have fit in worse positions than we are right now, and have become incredibly successful like this is this is doable and the problem is that i think you know a lot of the people above Tuklosa and shaloto have to have to be held accountable and they haven't been held accountable yet so then the next thing is okay i know i want escaloto out so then who replaces him i everybody's like robbie keen but i wouldn't want robbie keen to inherit this mess. I would rather keep Escaloto and then, yeah, like you said, like change, change, well, get Klein out, you know, like, I, think, I don't know. <laughs> well, we figure things out and then give, give Robbie Keane a, a good team. Well, I think also with, with Keane, I think Keane and Tecolosa together would be a very powerful pairing just because both of them are so hyper committed to winning um, and to being successful. Um, but I, again, I, I, I'd worry about handing the reins over to a first time head coach. I think, you mm-hmm. know, Maybe for other organizations, that's acceptable. But I think with the Galaxy's tenure and status, I doubt that they were going to give it off to a first-time head coach. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, there's you, – you can't tell me you can't find a head coach in South America or in, 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 in you know, Europe right now that would want to take the Galaxy job that is, you know, worse than – there's, there's got to be an option. And, and you know, I, I'm not in the Shaloto out crowd. I think he's he and Tuklosa have been handed an organization that – was doomed to fail from the start. 
But if we get to the point where Shaloto loses his job, I, I, there, there has to be someone who can step in and, and, and fix this mess. And maybe, you know, I, the rumor has it that, you know, Piojo Herrera out of America has been, been interested. I, I think that would be a fantastic addition to the team. You know, Dennis DeClose's book of contacts is, is large considering his involvement with the Dutch uh, national setup and, and the Mexican national setup. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry that the position would be filled by someone who's kind of a scrub. But, you know, I think, again, you can, for me, it's you can change the, the, the deck chairs on the Titanic all you want. The problem is it's much much deeper <laughs> systemically than than who's sitting on the bench at a game, you know? Yeah, I like that analogy. <laughs> well, like I said, we, we knew what was going on with LA Galaxy. Um, what we weren't expecting was an NWSL to be wrong about the Houston Dash. I mean, first off, I, I have to give credit to NWSL as an entire organization for throwing an incredible tournament, an incredibly successful tournament. and. I mean, and keeping safe in their bubble. Yeah, and I mean, such high. Some of the knockout round games were were kind of duds, but I mean, outside of that, like outside of about two or three games, I mean, every game was very high quality. Every game was was played at a high pace, and it, they it were, was yeah, really like, oh, did you did you miss that? Did you watch that? You got to yeah. get on it. And and it's it's a shame that CBS couldn't nationalize or national TV or play on national well, TV more games right but here's um, my thing about that it was six dollars a month like I'm, I'm sorry what and like can't you guys just i don't know sign up with different emails like, and do your well, and also, free trials week to week I, I also get the whole entire thing about because we are moving you know from a broadcast perspective into like more of into like the whole entire concept of traditional broadcast media is kind of dying at the wayside of of these streaming services so i kind of get i i get it um, and i digress but what about champions league being on cbs all access then Exactly. I mean, this is this is the way we're going. I mean, if you look at the the Premier League, for example, has looked at launching its own streaming service for games and and, and so on and so forth. So I think we're going to see more and more of this as we move on. Um, but I mean, I think when we started talking about the Houston Dash, a lot of we, we said we had a lot of questions and that. Well, yeah, they they went over, you know, they I mean, had a whole overhaul and we had were, our doubts. I mean, they were a young, precocious team under a new head coach and kind of. I, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a testament to the maturity level of this Houston Dash team that even though they are you know a relatively young team and there was a lot of kind of young players involved with that that they were able to pull together as a group and you know win this tournament in in pretty astounding fashion. I mean, that Red Star Chicago side is not you know was not bad by any in any stretch of the imagination, but right. I mean, they outplayed them like crazy on the day. I mean, it was. It was impressive to watch the dash and, and the way that they, they they worked their way through the knockout rounds. I mean, they didn't play, they played tough teams, but I mean, it's it's this is I I think this is going to be a, a a rallying point for a very good and young Houston side. I think we might be talking about this Houston team for a very long time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, Schmidt and Groom scored in in that final. It was two zero. Like it wasn't even it, they made it seem like it wasn't even a contest. Yeah, and. and you know, it was interesting watching that game because in, in watching in Chicago just in general in the tournament, because Chicago looked like they kind of were, were I almost think they, it almost looked like they were running through like wet sand at times. Like they just looked a little bit off the pace. And mm-hmm. this is a quick Houston side. I mean, they're a fast, fun, you know, quick paced team. Like that's who they are. And I, I just think, you know, with Chicago looking maybe a gear short, you know, I, I think Houston was, was, was prime for this. And I think Houston also kind of knew that like, this whole entire concept of no one believes in us and 
you know, every preview I read basically said, oh, yeah, and it's like, here's the teams to watch. Oh, and Houston will be there. And I think they, they took that to heart and, and used it as a rallying cry. Yeah, it it was just fun. Also, the, the courage got got knocked out. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just a, it, it was so it was such a fun tournament because it was so unpredictable. It was so just crazy and different and odd. Right. And, and, and we thought MLS was unpredictable. Yeah, it was. And I think, you know, I I always hate to say it. And if, if there are any Courage fans who are listening, I apologize. But it's almost good that the Courage lost as early as they did, you know, because we actually got to see a lot of these teams kind of. Yeah. Perk up and realize that we're not playing for second anymore. You know, we're 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 playing for for the title, and it it, it was a great uh, it was just, it was a great it was a great advertisement for the NWSL, and and I hope that they're able to turn that momentum into forward progress. I mean, also, I mean the the level of broadcast excellence that CBS really put in outside of Thomas Rongen, um, I mean with <laughs> Sandra Herrera, um, and and the commentary teams. I mean, it, it was. I mean, it was it was a fantastic advertisement for the NWSL in a, in a in a league that is really starting to find its own footing, which I I'm so grateful for. Um, and speaking of, they're expanding Angel City FC. We got an NWSL team in LA finally, and they are not affiliating with either LAFC or LA Galaxy. I'm I'm, it's long overdue, and, I, and I'm surprised it took NWSL this long to get to California. Just in general, I understand that they, they're they're kind of motto is 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 financial stability over everything um but i'm i'm very excited and i think you know it's a very invested ownership group i mean serena williams alexis ohanan and and amongst others um yeah there's a a lot of women owners and there's like a little girl too yeah it's very it's very involved ownership group i think you know and they're going to have an ability to bring pretty much anyone they want into that organization i mean you think about the location you know los angeles is is a fantastic place to live it's a high quality of life you know, they're going to have money they can pay, you know, I think they can pay on the on the level of, you know, even the the, the great European sides like Olympic Lyon and, and PSG, you know, they they'll have influence. And I think, you know, they're going to they're going to be a marquee place to play. So I'd expect I expect Angel City FC to be competitive from the start. And, you know, there will be big names that will be associated with this team. And I think that's an exciting place to be. Yeah, I definitely look forward to it. I know the the Rose Gold kind of threw everybody off in Mia Hamm ownership. Um, but we knew that she was going to be involved from the start. Um, kind of threw off some LA Galaxy fans. But you know what? Like I said, they're not affiliating with either team. And if they end up playing at the Diggity, I think that would be just an extra nice touch. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, you know, I, I understand, you know, we uh, we're, because of the rivalry between LAFC and the Galaxy and, and, and the way that that has panned out over the past two to three years, you know, I understand kind of the the need to kind of claim something as either Galaxy or LAFC. I get that. But I think in order for this team to succeed, we we all kind of need to put down the banners for a little bit. Yeah, on this agreed. One and kind of just, you know, swallow our pride for the, the men's teams we support because, you know, this has the potential to be a, a massive success for the NWSL. And it, it, it's up to every soccer fan in, in LA and Southern California, regardless of affiliation, to, to make it so. And yeah. Um, and yeah, they're gonna play. I, they're gonna play where the stadium is is best, you know. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll rotate. Maybe they'll play in different stadiums. We're well, not really well, sure yet. They haven't officially said. I hope. I hope uh, both Galaxy fans and LSA fans can kind of swallow the the crests for a bit in order to come together to support this this NWSL team because it's going to be this could this could be a massive success and it's 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 incumbent on 
us as soccer fans, regardless of the team that we support, to make it that. Yeah, yeah, they're not affiliated, so we shouldn't either. Um, as for me, I definitely am looking forward to covering it as a neutral um, in that, you know, professionally just, you know, I would like to get credentials and, and be able to, to give the team coverage for the stoppage time. But I definitely would love to be a fan in the, in the stands. Um, I don't personally see myself like affiliating with any supporters group yet. Um, but again, like you said, we got to put the, the crest down and be like, oh, this person is, you know, LAFC supporters group's wife and she's setting things up. And it's like, can can we just be fans? Yeah, that's that's what it's going to take. And, and I hope that, that people realize that and I hope people uh, are amenable to that. I understand, you know, I understand the, the, the tension and, and, and whatnot between the two clubs. But I think, you know, we, we have the ability to create something magical here for NWSL, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, it, I think is, is, is incumbent on us as, you know, at, at base level soccer fans to, to do. I'm excited. I'm I, excited. I, yeah. And, it, and I'm excited because I think this is a team that can bring in, you know, the likes of maybe an Alex Morgan, Kristen Press. I mean, I, I've long maintained yeah, that. I know you want Rose if Lavelle. I, I was going to say, if I'm, if I'm starting an NWSL team right now, the first person I'm making a trade for is Rose Lavelle. Like, I mean, you build a team around the Rose Lavelle skill set and, and they will dominate NWSL for years to come. Um, but this team will be able to attract some of the biggest names. I mean, they, they might be able to poach names out of Lyon, which would be a massive coup for NWSL out of Wolfsburg or, or, or what have you from the Frauenbundesliga. You know, it, this team could be a dynasty within the first year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got, we got, we got some time. We got about two years before this thing kicks off. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, if the state of the world gets all better and we can actually be in stadiums safely. Um, I hope so soon. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too, because I do miss the tailgates <laughs> and being able to, you know, obviously cheer your team on. But, but you know, um, I think MLS is planning to continue the season. They haven't officially set a date, but so, the rumor has it that it's August 22nd. Yeah, I was about to say that, that uh, the Athletic was running with the August 22nd date, 18 games, and then a nine-team playoff Um with MLS Cup in December, um, you know, uh, good on them if they can do it. Um, but I mean, if you look at the the difficulties that have occurred in USL and in MLB, et cetera, when, when it comes to travel for these teams, I don't have a ton of faith. But you know, if they can do it, then I, I hope they can. I, I hope they do. But you know, also partially as a Galaxy fan, after watching that tournament, I don't know if I want to watch any more Galaxy soccer this year. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, see, is. I maintain that I'm going to watch it, even though we suck because loyalty over trends. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm, oh, God, I just, ooh. No, it was painful. Um, it was. It was depressing. But, but yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if they can get it done, it, it would be, it would be a massive logistic. It, it, it the logistics involved are, are so aggressively large that it would be difficult to do it but if they could pull it off good and you know i think you know what would be great for the galaxy at this point you know would would be to have that kind of time to to let let the kids play and and give you know guys like cameron dunbar Kronyuk, and and yeah. and so on and so forth you know or uh, you know even nefrain alvarez you know minutes just to because because anything that happens this season is going to have some level of asterisk around it i think it would just be good to give you know those kids just 
an opportunity to kind of play a quote unquote full season and give them time to prepare for when when things return to normal, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what was another kind of bummer was LA Galaxy two were winning, and then, then they had to quarantine because like eleven or fourteen players, something like that, they tested uh, positive. It was eleven positive. It was eleven positive tests in the organization. They did not specify players or coaching staff. Ah, okay, my bad. Um, but I mean, that's I mean that's the reality of trying to be in a sports league right now in a, in a pandemic. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult. And it's, that's why I, I'm, I'm skeptical about MLS coming back, you know, that mm-hmm. the, the logistics involved here are, are incredibly difficult. And, you know, if you, even if USL is struggling, you know, and I understand that USL has less, you know, resources. Yeah, exactly. Um, and MLS definitely has more, more money to bear at the, at, at the problem, but it's still, it's, you know, it's the fundamental problem of operating a pandemic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. And we are so glad that we were able to get get you some content out. So stay tuned. We'll definitely be covering whatever news happens next. Of course, yeah. We're we are here for you. Yeah, for you and for LA Galaxy, even though our hearts are broken. <laughs> <laughs> but again, we knew what we were dealing with. All right. Free, that's free it for, camera done now. Hashtag free camera Dunbar. All right. Thanks again. Stay tuned.